0: Hello, this is Brian Foster on Kardec Radio, coming to you on Sunday night, May 3rd, 2020. And today we're going to talk about Chapter 20 in the Gospel According to Spiritism, Workers of the Last Hour. Before I begin, please, I'll I'll put this video onto YouTube, so on Facebook, please share this video with other Facebook pages if you're watching this on YouTube Please subscribe, hit the bell, give us a thumbs up, give me comments, you know, let me know what other programs you'd like me, and topics about spiritualism you'd like me to cover. So, chapter 20, Workers of the Last Hour. Let's let's get into this, because this is interesting. So this is from, let me get to the right passage from the Bible here, Matthew 20. Chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And when he went out about the third hour, and saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, And whoever is right, I will give you, whatsoever is right, I will give you. And they went their way again. He went out about the sixth and ninth hour, and did likewise. At about the eleventh hour he went out, and found others standing idle, and said unto them, Why stand ye here all the day, idle? They said unto him, Because no man had hired us. He said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and and whatsoever is right, that ye shall receive. So when even was come, evening was come, the lord of the vineyard said unto a steward, Call the laborers, and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they came that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more, and they likewise received every man a penny. And when they had received it, they murmured against the good men of the house, saying, These last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and heat of the day. But he answered one of them, and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Did Did thou not agree with me for a penny? Take that thine is, and go thy way. I will give unto this last, even as unto thee. It is not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own. Is thine eye evil, because I am good? So the last shall be the first, and the first last. For many be called, but few chosen. So I remember this from the Bible. I'm thinking, well, I don't blame them. Why Why shouldn't the people that worked more hours during the day get more money? It makes sense if you read it literally. But let's see what uh, Alan Kardec gives us as interpretation. But let's, first of all, let's talk about who was... Who who you know who do we think are the are the workers of the first hour? And to me, that would be the first revelation, which is Moses, right? Moses in the in the burning bush. And let's let's see what Alan Kardec tells us about this. The worker of the last hour has a right to his wages, nevertheless. It is important that his lateness be not due to either laziness or reluctance but due to the fact that, although willing to work, he had been patiently waiting for someone to employ him. He has a right to his wages because, being hard-working, he, he has waited anxiously since the dawn for someone who would finally offer work. It was only that he lacked opportunity. However, if he refused to work any time during the day, or if he had said, wait a while, What rest is very agreeable to me, when the last hour sounds, then I will think about the day's wages. What necessity have I to be bothered by an employer I have no regard for and don't even know, the later the better. Then this person, my friends, would have not received the wages of work, but of laziness. What would you say, then, of someone who, and I'm quoting Alan Kardec's Gospel According to Spiritism, instead of remaining active, Inactive, utilized those hours destined for the day's labor, to practice culpable acts, who against God, split the blood of his, blood of his brothers, launch perturbation amongst families, ruin those who trusted in him by abusing their innocence, who, in short, satiated himself with all the ignomies of human nature. What would become of him? It is enough for him to say at the last hour, Master, I used my time badly. Take me on till the end of the day, so I do some work, although it be very little what was my share, and give me the wages of a good worker. No, no, the Lord will say to him, I have no work for you at the present. You squandered away your time. You forgot what you had learnt. You can no longer work in my vineyard. Consequently, you must recommence your learning, and when you are better disposed, come to me again, and I'll throw open my vast fields to you, where you may work at any time then let's say who we think the workers of the later hour are. So it's, this would be, this could be someone like, you know, Socrates was giving us a preview of, of what was happening. And then we have, after Socrates, we have the workers who actually did make uh, also a big difference as the first Christians in Christianity. So let me quote. So who are the last hours? So let me quote Alan Kardec. Good Spiritist, my dearly beloved, you are all workers of the last hour. The one who says, I begin work at dawn and will only finish at night, fall, is very conceited. All of you came when you were called, some a little earlier, some a little later, to this incarnation who shackles you now, carry On, for how many centuries has the Lord called to you his vineyard without you wishing to enter it? Here is the moment to pocket your wages. So put to good use the time that is left and never forget that your existence, however long it may appear to be, is nothing but a fleeting moment in the immensity of time which forms eternity. Of course, this was not, I'm sorry, it's not written by Alcatraz, it's written by Constantine, a protecting spirit, in Bordeaux, 1863. So, most probably, a lot of this is, is, is you know, pertains to me, I believe. I was a worker at the very, very late hour. Most probably back when, when Moses was around or Jesus was around, I was either a slave or abusing my slave or doing something that was uh, completely selfish. And here I am at the last hour. But at least as Constantine said, at least we're here and it's time to pay the wages and do the study and work how we need to work. Let me give you some examples of how we are helped being spiritists. So, and once a person discovers spiritism, the breadth of its doctrines soon become clear. Instead of a casual relationship has with going to a local place of worship, where you are able to meditate and recharge your spiritual batteries on a once-a-week basis, the knowledge that every action we take is judged, that we are surrounded by other spirits, that we have a duty to spread love in our knowledge, can make our discovery seem at times a heavy burden. The spirit world recognizes the difficulties of balancing our spiritual lives while learning in a materialistic dominated world. Now, Andre Louise in the book In the Greater World is told about the assistance given to Spiritus. So I thought you would find this interesting as we talk about this chapter. This is what Andre Louise says Through their diligent efforts in spiritualizing work, they are the future instruments for the endeavors that lie ahead. In spite of the clarity of the rules they live by, they still suffer disharmony and afflictions that threaten their incipient stability. Even so, they aren't left without the assistance they need. In our spheres of action, institution for restoring their energies open their welcoming doors to them. Freedom from the body during sleep is the direct resource of our manifestations of fraternal support. At first, they receive our influence unconsciously, then their minds are slowly strengthened and they begin recording our concourse in their memory as we give them ideas, suggestions, and opinions, along with beneficial and redeeming inspirations by means of imprecise recollections. So, end quote. So, André Luis is introduced to one set's method of aids. This is why the whole series of books by André Luis is so interesting. His instructor takes him to a lecture given by the spirit he, Euse- an instructor Eusepio will give a lecture to those incarnated souls who have the desire for learning more and becoming active spiritists, but are daily facing the obstacles we all encounter. Why, we still retain that element of doubt in the absolute reality of our immortal soul. Now, Andre is told that every person who is able to promote spiritism is vital. The importance of the training is explained by... A- Andre's companion. He says, chance doesn't perform miracles. Any undertaking requires planning, execution, and completion. The miracle of changing a physical person into a spiritual person requires a lot of co- collaboration on our part. And I can completely concur with that. It took, when I go back and I think about the amount of work it took me it took them to get me into the right situation, in the right place, at the right time, with the right people. It was immense to get me to be a spiritual person. So, let's talk about the lecture for spiritists. So, Ezubio begins, now this is important for anyone listening to this. This is how, if you're a spiritist, this is what the spirit world would like of us, right? We are We are the workers who came late. Hopefully, you were much better than I was when er, you know earlier, when the first and the second revelation, and even Alan Kardec's revelation, you were, the uh, you know, third revelation, you weren't just sitting idle and trying to do whatever you would want to do, probably like I did in past lives. So, Eusebio begins to lecture by right, clarifying how his talk will affect each individual at the meeting. That's what he says. Of course, because the deficiencies of the brain render it incapable of supporting the burden of two lives at the same time, you will not retain a full recollection of this hour upon re-entering the corporeal envelope. Nevertheless, the memory of our meeting here will linger in the depth of your being, guiding your higher inclinations toward lofty purposes and opening your intuitive portal so that our fraternal thoughts may assist you. So, Eusebio goes on to explain to his audience how humanity has arrived at this precise moment. He recounts the sacred reading of the Old Testament by the Jews, who then would go out and fight the Philistines, the reverential praise of the writings of Marcus Aurelius, while at the same time his Roman government ordered the murder of innocents. He closes his point with, In such a state we have reached the modern era in which madness is widespread and men and women's mental stability is on the verge of disaster. With an evolved brain and an immature heart, we hone our heart of wrecking our spiritual progress. So then he goes on, he he stressed the significance of maintaining our energy and increasing our self-enlightenment. Eusebio acknowledges the importance of such activities, but as he warms to his subject, he notifies his listeners that individuals who strive to focus on themselves in their quest for purification is not good enough. He throws out the challenge, If you wish to be pioneers of the living faith in the world, from now on, in spite of the difficulties, a complete demonstration of your conviction of divine spirituality will be required of you. Now at this point, Eusepio reveals the mission. Modern spiritualism cannot confine God within the walls of an earthly temple. For our essential mission is to change the whole earth into the majestic temple of God. And that is so true because to become a planet regeneration means our whole harmony and the vibrations within each of us will actually modify the harmony vibrations of the earth. And only then, after all of us are on the same, you know, harmonious plane and we have this affinity with each other will we truly become a planet of regeneration the earth will change just as we will change. Eusebio is telling us that adding a spiritual center next to the local church or temple for those select few that will take the time to drop in is totally inadequate our job is to change the world change from a materialistic centered society to a balanced one. Where, yes, scientific advancement is encouraged, new goods can be developed, but where our culture understands the importance of fraternal love and that all actions have a consequence. Where each individual understands they have past penalties to pay and they have mostly themselves to look forward to, to paying off their debts. So after he he put out the call to change the world, comes the command to organize ourselves for the task. This is what he said. For our vanguard of determined and brave workers, the phase of futile experimentation, disorderly investigation, and peripheral reasoning has passed. What's he saying? He's saying we are being asked to actively evangelize the doctrine of spiritism, set up gatherings to bring people into the fold and to seek out ways to publicize our message to others so they may, at the least, have the option to be exposed to the truth. The importance of this is stated in Alan Kardec's book Genesis, where the future of spiritism and the transformation of the earth to a higher status is heralded by the gradual transition of more spirits which will be reincarnated with a propensity of the good. For the good spirits among us, they need to hear our message, because these spirits will be, according to Genesis, Charged with the founding, the age of moral progress. The new generation is distinguishable by an overall precocious intelligence and reason combined with an innate sentiment of the good and spiritual beliefs, an unmistakable sign of a certain degree of previous advancement. So I'm hoping this is starting to come, which is the age of moral progress. We've had in the the, the 20th century, in this beginning of the twenty-first century, has just been the age of materialism. I mean, it's just brash materialism, consumerism, whatever you would like to call it. So, when he said that, innate sentiment of the good, so you you focus on that word innate, and that innate in means coming directly from the mind. So that's why I think it's important for us to lay the word and the doctrine of spiritualism out, because Sometimes when it comes directly from the mind, it needs an external trigger, right? To say, oh, spiritism or Alan Kardec. Because I think that's what happened to me. Because when I first, I you know, when I went through what I did and I had to find answers, when I started reading, reading the spirits book, that was the first one I read. It just like it was, that was it. Bam. And I think that was that external trigger, right? So now this task will not be difficult. You know, it will be painful and it will take sacrifice. And Eusebio puts our effort in context. This is what he said. Jesus did not reach the culmination of resurrection without climbing Calvary and his lessons refer to the faith that moves mountains. So I'll next emphasize this point. Eusebio throws out a litany of advice to surmount the impediments. This is what he said to us, to the spiritists who are asleep at his meeting. And now he's saying to us. He says, do not go looking for miracles. Yearning for them can be addictive and lead to your loss. Your burdens on the earthly landscape, however rough or displeasing, represent the supreme will. Do not jump over obstacles or try to go around them in a deliberate attempt to escape. Conquer them using will and perseverance, providing an opportunity to develop your growth. So, what she's telling, telling us, as well as supplying the reason and the method and the hurdles of, of promoting spiritism, Eusebio lays out the context of our struggle in today's environment. This is what he says. The powerful winds of the evolutionary wave are sweeping the earth. Every day we see the collapse of conventional, conventional principles held inviolable for centuries. For centuries sorry. The perplexed human mind is forced to make distressful changes. The subversion of values, the social experiment, and the accelerated process of selection through collective suffering perturb the timid and inattentive who represent the overwhelming majority everywhere. everywhere. So, this is so true. We find ourselves in our culture just bombarded by consumerist materialistic messages that we're if you hold a religious or, or a spiritual belief, you're up to ridicule. These are the things, you know, and of course, they are nothing compared to what the early Christians went through. We are the late workers, at least I am. Maybe some of you have been there and have come back again to help us. God bless you. So what we go through, right? When when people kind of like, oh, I don't really want to listen to us and we are rejected. That, that's nothing. Nothing. So look. Think of this. The lecture given by Eusebia was not a homely filled discourse on how we can grow as a Spiritus. This lecture was a get out of your chair and do something about its speech. A call to arms where we are told the objective, the terrain, and the difficulties that we should expect on the way. If it wasn't clear before, it should be clear now. Being a spiritist is not a simple or easy task. Now let's go on with what Alan Kardec said. He goes on of uh, workers of the last hour. He says, Jesus liked the simplicity of symbols in his most virile language. The workers who arrived at the first hour were the prophets, Moses and all the initiates who have marked the steps of the progress which continue to be signposted throughout the ages by the apostles, the martyrs, the founders of the church. So there we go. The workers of the first hour were really those were on the front line. They were bringing us the information. And that's, you know, that's Moses, Socrates, Buddha, Zoroaster, Lao Tzu, Confucius, all sorts. Many I've left out. He talked about Moses and the initiates who have marked the steps of progress, which continue to be signposted throughout the ages by the apostles, the martyrs, the founders of the church, the wise men, the philosophers, and finally by the spiritists. These who are the last to come were announced and prophesied from the dawn of the advent of the Messiah, and they will receive the same recompense, or I should say a larger recompense. Being the last to arrive, the spiritists take advantage of all the intellectual labors of their predecessors, because man must inherit from man and because human work and the subsequent results are collective. God blesses solidarity. Moreover, many who relive today, or who will relive tomorrow, are terminating work begun previously. More than one patriarch, more than one prophet, more than one disciple of Christ is to be found amongst these. Nevertheless, more enlightened, more advanced, working now, not at the base, but at the summit of the edifice, then these will receive wages according to the value of the undertaking. So, if you look at this, and you think about Spiritism, and you think about who we are and why we are here, I would say a lot of that would be, I would say a lot of the Spiritists Most probably not me, but a lot of the Spiritists have been actually workers in previous lives. They've worked for Buddha, Hinduism, right? They worked for, you know, know, pupils of Socrates, you know, the Jews following Moses out of slavery. They've worked. And yet, and there's probably so many people that were part of that, and yet they were on the outskirts. And you think of the power of reincarnation and the power of learning over century after century of life. So these people who are on the periphery or maybe not even part of all. We were just in some tribe somewhere, right? But in life after life, we became more and more trained. And then maybe during the time of Alan Kardec, some of us started reading about spiritism and now we've come back again. This is think about this is the power of how jesus christ in charge of our planet moves us as collective humanity they'll take they'll take you know like as they say the army of christ they'll take us let's say we're just soldiers and those of us who are on the periphery of these first second and third revelations we're very we're very green soldiers untrained soldiers but as each life, we became more and more veterans, and we became more and more able to withstand society pressure to not believe in what we should be believing in the precepts and tenets of Spiritism. And then, so, and as they say, in that each person is important because each person can come back again and again and be a more and more trained, right? We come from the privates of the army. To the corporals, to the sergeants, and the right, the, the sergeants, the master sergeants, they are the foot soldiers of the army. They're the ones that get things done. There are officers around. You can look at the officers maybe as the spirits directing us from above, but we are here on earth doing the work, right? Taking that hill, moving forward, trying to expose spiritism to the world. And so it's not a job that we're doing, hopefully, in just one lifetime. Most probably, we've spent previous lifetimes leading up to this. Now, they may not have been very useful as far as helping spread spirituality, but they may have been useful in changing our character and our personality so we would be more ready to do the task that we are doing today. So just think of that. It's the more you think about how the spirit world works, works and and gives us all of these things it's, it's just amazing so let me carry on with the uh, chapter 20. the beautiful doctrine of reincarnation is perpetual and needs spiritual affiliation a spirit when called upon to give an account of its earthly mandate sees for itself the continuity of an interrupted task which is always resumed it sees, it feels, it intuitively grasps the thoughts of those who have preceded. It begins the lesson anew, matured by experience, to advance yet further, and all of them, the workers of the first and last hours, with their eyes fully open to the profound justice of God, murmur no more, they simply adore. This is one of the true meanings of this parable, which holds, as do all those utilized by Jesus when speaking to the people, The rudiments of the future and also in all forms from all aspects. The revelation of the magnificent unity which harmonizes all things in the universe. And the solidarity which joins all present beings to the past and to the future. Then he say, Do you not already hear the noise of the tempest which will sweep away the old world? This is one by spirit. This, be, this is uh, by a spirit. Let me find what the name is, because this is uh, the spirit. This is from the spirit of truth. So I want to read this one. Soundcard put this in. This is a message from the spirit of truth. This is titled "The Mission of the Spiritus." Again, this is very pertinent to all of us. Do you not already hear the noise of the tempest, which will sweep away the old world and destroy all the iniquities of this planet? Ah, Praise the Lord, all those who have put their faith in his sovereign justice, and who, as new apostles of the belief revealed by the superior, by the superior prophetical voices, go forth to preach the new doctrine of reincarnation and the elevation of spirits according to whether they have fulfilled their missions and supported the terrestrial trials well or badly. Let me stop there for one moment about preaching the new doctrine of reincarnation. I'm not sure if I have my percentage right, but there was a survey saying that I think it was almost 25% of people who call themselves Christians, Protestants or Catholics, believe in reincarnation. There are many people that you can use this concept of reincarnation as as a little lever to tell them more and more. A lot of people just intuitively understand that there's more than just us being a carbon-based element, right, that disappears with our death. Let me carry on. Do not be afraid. The tongues of fire are above your heads, O true adepts of spiritism. You are God's chosen ones. Go forth and preach the divine word. The time has come when you should sacrifice your habits, your work, and your futile occupations to its dissemination. Go forth and preach. The elevated spirits are with you. You will most certainly speak to those who do not wish to hear the voice of God, because this voice caused them unceasingly to abdication. You will preach disinterestedness, to those who are adverse, abstinence, to the dissolute, gentleness, to the domestic tyrants, and despots. Lost words I know, but it does not matter. It is necessary that you irrigate the land to be sown with the sweat of your labor, seeing that it will not come to fruit nor produce except under the repeated blows of the evangelical hoe and plough. Go forth and preach, to all of you, men and women of good faith, who are conscious of your inferiority before the many worlds scattered in infinite space, launch yourselves into the crusade against injustice and iniquity. Go forth and ostracize the worship of the golden calf, which spreads more and more each day. Still true today. This was written in 18 in 1850s. And it's even more true today, I believe, than it was over 150 years ago, 170 years ago. Go forth, God guides you, simple and ignorant humanity, your tongues will be freed, and you will speak as no orator speaks. Go forth then and preach, for those of the population who are heedful will happily take in your words of consolation, fraternity, hope, and peace. What matter the ambushes rigged against you along the pathway, Only wolves fall into wolf traps, since the shepherd will know how to defend his sheep from the sacrificial sacrificial butchers. Go forth those who, great before God, more blessed than St. Thomas, believe without demanding to see, and accept the fact of mediumship, even when they have not managed to attain it for themselves. And I see this a lot. I see people writing to me about mediumship and then people actually being saying, I'm not sure if I even want to be a medium. And I keep telling them, well, I think you're here for a purpose. And for for those of you who think they hear voices or they, they see, they believe they see spirits, read the medium's book. Go, go start reading these things. Uh, read about spiritism. Get the spirits book. It will really open you up. You have a job to do here. Let me carry on. Go then, for the Spirit of God is guiding you. March forward, magnificent flannocks of faith. Before you the great battalions of unbelievers will dissipate, as does the morning dew at the first rays of the sun. Jesus said that faith is the virtue which moves mountains. However, heavier that the greatest mountains are the impurities and all the vices which are derived from them, which lie deposited in the hearts of men. So then, depart full of courage to remove this mountain of iniquities which future generations should only know as legend, in the same way that you know very only imperfectly of the times which preceded pagan civilization. Moral and philosophical upheavals will be produced at all points of the globe. The hour approaches when the divine light will spread itself over both worlds. The time approaches when those who have been announced for the transformation of humanity will be accomplished, and those who have worked in the field of Lord with disinterestedness and no other motive than charity will be blessed. Their working days will be paid a hundred times more than was expected. I hear this many times. Whatever you do here on earth that you, 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 you know, you prune, the desires and selfishness you have, and you help you help others, you'll be rewarded a hundredfold more times. Let me carry on. Blessed are those who have said to their fellow men, let us work together and unite our efforts so that when the Lord arrives, he will find his work finished. Seeing that the Lord will say to them, come unto me, you have been good servants, you who knew how to silence your rivalries and discords, so that no harm should come to the work. But woe to those who, as a result of their dissensions, have held back the time of the harvest, because the tempest will come, and they will be taken away in the turbulence. They will cry out, Mercy, mercy! However, the Lord will say to them, How can you implore mercy, when you had none for your fellow men, and refuse to offer them a helping hand, trampling on the weak, instead of upholding them? How can you beseech mercy when you sought your recompense in earthly pleasures and the satisfaction of your pride? You have already received your recompense just as you wished. There is nothing more to ask for. The celestial rewards are for those who have not looked out for earthly compensations. At this very moment, God is preparing a census of his faithful servants and has already taken note of those whose devotion is only apparent, so they may not upset the wages of the courageous servants, because those who do not draw back from the task are the ones to whom he entrusted the most difficult positions in the great work of regeneration by means of spiritism. These words will be fulfilled. The first shall be the last, and the last shall be the first in the kingdom of heaven. And that was from the Spirit of Truth, Paris, in 1862. So that is a rousing speech. That is a call to action. And we've been told that in books by Andre Louise, in this book, Gospel, The Gospel According to Spiritism, and in other books. And, we, and they said, his faithful servants are already here. They're trying to help us. And let's let's explore that more. In the book, The Spiritist Review, Journal of Psychological Studies of 1859. Now, this book is a compilation of the monthly magazines uh, for each year, published by Alan Kardec. Now, this book is is in English. It was published in 2015 by the United States Spiritist Council. God bless them for doing all this work. And now, let me tell you, in this book, there's a lot of pages that aren't that interesting. But sometimes there's just nuggets of information that just are so exciting to read. So I would recommend, and I forgot how many years, I've got like four or five years of these published now. Uh, I would recommend people to read them uh, 59, 60, 61, 62, I think. Don't quote me on that. Just, you know, look that up on Amazon. The, the Spiritist Review. Uh, it's great. Uh, you, I would recommend it. So. In one of these books, in the Spiritist Review of 1858, and in the next book of 1859, they're fascinating. And, of course, you can also find these books in the United States Spiritist Council. Then there's, in that book, there's a chapter titled, The Guardian Angels. And it's on page 35. And this is a message. And this shows you how we are helped. Let me quote. There is a doctrine that should convert the most incredulous towards its enchantment and kindness. This is related to the subject concerning guardian angels. Just think about the fact that you have near you beings who are your superiors, who are there to counsel you, to sustain you, to help you escalate the difficult mountains of righteousness, who are more certain and dedicated friends than the most intimate relationships that you can establish on earth. Isn't that a consoling idea? Those beings are following God's orders. It was God who placed them by your side. They are there out of love for God, thus accomplishing a beautiful and tough mission. Yes, they will be with you wherever you go. The dungeons, the hospitals, the places of mockery, the solitude, nothing separates you from those friends that you don't see— but whose kind impulse your soul feels, hearing their wise advices. Had you known this reality better, how many times would that help you at moments of crisis? How many times would that save you from the hands of bad spirits? However, on on the great day this angel of goodness may tell you, Haven't I told you, and you did not do it? Haven't I showed you the abyss, and you fell into that? Haven't I made you hear the voice of truth in your conscience? Nevertheless, you follow the advices of lie. Ah, interrogate your guardian angels. Establish with them this fond intimacy that reigns among the best of friends. Let me stop there for a second. Look, How do I do that? How do I start following the advice? Well, the most simple way of doing that, there's two ways. One is meditate. Pick a time to meditate, like 7 o'clock on Tuesday nights, right? 20 minutes, 30 minutes, that's all. Don't, don't go too long. And just clear your mind and think and try to get in touch with that guardian angel. The second way, and this is good at any time of the day, is if your conscience gives you any type of little warning bell, like, oh, I don't think I should do that. Don't do it. and If your conscience says. That would be a nice thing to do. Do it. And as you get into that habit. It gets easier and easier. And I'll tell you the truth here. Stress. Just comes out of your body. If you. Consistently. Follow your conscience. On a day to day. Hour by hour basis. You're not going to worry about. Getting that newest car or getting those newest shoes or whatever it is. You're going to feel so less stress. You you will not believe it. Try it. Try it for a while. See if I'm right. Let me finish. Ah, interrogate your guardian angels. Establish with them this fond intimacy that reigns among the best of friends. Think not of hiding anything from them since theirs is God's eyes. And you cannot deceive them. You cannot. Believe me, everything's recorded. I talked about that last Sunday. Think of the future and endeavor to advance in this life. Thus, your trials will be shorter and your existences happier. Go, people, courage. Cast away your prejudices and hidden thoughts once for all. Take the new path that opens up before you. March on, march on, since you have guides that you must follow. The target cannot frustrate you, for the target is God himself. To those who think it is impossible for elevated spirits to attach themselves to such a laborious and constant task, we say that we influence your souls even by being millions of miles away from you. To us, space is nothing, and even living in another world, our spirits keep the bonds with yours. Now, this same the same quote, I mean this is saying that they can they can you know live millions of years from you is also talked about I talk about in the book how we are guided by spirits. Let me bring this up here looks like I'm frozen. How we are guided by spirits. And again they say about there's many ways for spirits to communicate with you there's there's many ways of of for them to be just you know far far away and they're still they have this this line of communication to know when things are going to happen and they're, they're apprised of the situation where yeah probably about two hours from now something 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 bad may happen and they need to be there maybe with you or they might get someone to help you or whatever They will uh, be in that situation where they can can be part of the help for you. But I talk about that in my book, how we are guided by spirits, of how they actually stay in touch with us. Uh, Let me go here. I'll carry on. We enjoy faculties that you cannot understand, but be assured that God has not imposed on us a burden beyond our strength, and that God did not abandon you without friends and support on earth. Each guardian angel has its own protege who watches over it like a father over the son. It is happy when we see the child following a good path and suffers when its advices are neglected. Don't be afraid of bothering us with your questions. On the contrary, be always in touch with us, since you will then be stronger and happier. What makes all people mediums are these communications between each person with their familiar spirit. Mediums who are ignored today, but who will manifest later, spreading like a boundless ocean to keep incredulity and ignorance away. You don't know the work that you accomplish by doing so. It is the work of Christ which God imposes on you why would god have given you intelligence and science but to share with your brothers and sisters and make them advance on the path of the eternal venture and happiness and that message is from saint louis and saint augustine so i hope this helps everyone here feel comforted in love and when you are at your very loneliness or at the very bottom in the middle of a hard trial think of your guardian angel and pray for strength and guidance demonstrate your sense of purpose and willingness to learn and i guarantee you events will start breaking your way it will happen the more you demonstrate how you want to how you how you're following your conscience and you're trying to be better the more that it will come back to you and as they said as i said before the more we try, the more we try, more we attempt. The more we try to share with, so have faith in what what is happening. Right, have faith in where you are in your trials now. Understand that your guardian angel is with you, will always be with you, and you can always call on them at any moment. So I want to tell everyone, thank you for being with me tonight. Sorry about some the. Uh, the sound being off for a little bit it seemed like the the picture was frozen you never know how these things work uh sometimes there's software problems but we won't let that stop us i think the vast majority it came out okay anyway please learn study about spiritism read the spirits book read alan Kardec's the gospel according to spiritism you can look at my books too heaven and below spirits and spirit universe how we are guided by spirits All these things will show that we are part of one big family and that what we do and and how we help others around us is very important. God bless.